Amen. Awesome. Thanks, Brookie. Thanks, worship team. Uh, let's see if this ticks over. Here we go. Well, good morning. Refresh. I'm actually very excited to be able to talk to you all today. Um, thank you, worship. I was just said before, I'd much rather talk than sing. Um, so I'm very glad I get a chance to talk with you guys and, and, and share a message that um, I think is very important for each and every one of us um, as, as we go through our, our days at church and in our local community. And so affection detection. We're going to start our series in Philippians today. And, and affection is a big question you ask, particularly with the middle uh, middle school age. I know that was a, a big topic of this stuck, um, discussion when I was little. Who likes who? Who's affectionate about who? And you would have heard it a thousand times when you're younger age. And, and as you get older, it becomes more serious. But affection plays a big part of, of who we are um, in, our every single, in our every day. So here's a photo of me at my first day of Avondale. So last year I moved to Avondale Uni um, and started life without, uh, moved away from home. And I remember on the Sunday, move-in day, mum and dad were with me, and we moved our stuff into my room, room 122, um, and we put everything away, and there was a couch sitting there, so that was a big bonus. Um, but we moved everything in, and that was probably the last time mum and dad would help me um, clean my room. So I really enjoyed that special moment with them. Um, but it was a very significant day for me um, that I would be moving on from home. And obviously I'm back, and, and I love being back home, but... The longest I'd been without mum and dad prior to my time at Avondale was two weeks, um, which is not a long time uh, when you think about the grand scheme of life. So for me, moving away from my parents was going to be a big deal. And I'm a very sentimental person, so, so it meant a lot to be with my family and with my parents. And I remember I woke up on the Monday morning, and I, and I wouldn't see them. Um, and obviously that's um, a bit challenging. And, and I remember mum and dad... Um, we were about to go to a meeting, and mum and dad called and said, hey, we're going to come to the, to the back car park, come say goodbye. And obviously, the last 18 and a half years of, um, of my life, I'd been living with my parents, and, and I knew that I wasn't going to be able to uh, shake my dad's hand and hug um, my mum goodnight anymore. And that was going to be the first time in, in, in 18 and a half years that I would have to go all this time, months, without seeing my parents. Um, and that was, yeah, it was really building on me. And then I remember I opened the back door and I go out to see mum and dad, and, and mum jumps out of the car and just tears were welling inside her eyes as she was showing this display of affection. And I would truly love to say that the tears in my eyes welled and it built up when I embraced my mum, but I was actually super excited to be there. And so mum was crying and, and there was tears rolling down her eyes, dad less so, there was like a, a hint of glass in his eyes, but mum was just, it was all over her. Um, but, but I was like, oh, see you mum, see you dad. Um, I was actually super excited to be there and I was really going to enjoy um, this place and, and that's something that I've been looking forward to for a long time. But in that moment, I, I saw a look in my mum of a deep affection, more special, that welled up from inside her. This is a part of her, a part she gave birth to me, for, and she's lived with me for 18 and a half years. So this was a part of her that she was letting go. And the affection was so obvious um, and, and on display um, in that moment. Um, but I, I'm sure there were tears later. But that day, I was just keen to go play basketball or go hang out with people. So I was, I was too excited to feel sad. Um, but we're going to do a bit of affection detection now. I'm going to run us through a few slides, and, and we're just going to see if we can detect some affection in the room and see if there's any affection. Um, so we'll start with this one. The mighty North Queensland Cowboys. Am I right? Any? No? No? Mighty? Yeah, okay. Yeah, Ethan, thank you. There's some affection there. Yeah, I appreciate that. Beautiful. This is my team. I am very affectionate about this team. When it's like tight, the 2015 finals that we won. Sorry, Broncos fans. But I remember I was just like grabbing the couch. I was super stressed out. 
but I'm very affectionate about this team. There's a lot of emotion in this one. All right, Broncos, any affection? Is there affection? Yeah, a few. Well, yeah, all right. Wow, wow. I really thought that would be um, a bit more affection from Broncos, but they're not that good, so I guess not. Um, but there's the Broncos. Um, they're pretty cool. What about this one? Oh. Oh, oh, dear. Oh, dear. Sorry. Sorry we had to put that one up. What about this one? Here we go. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Now, the question is, why would you call out in church? Why did you all just cheer? Why did you all go, woo, when I showed you a footy team logo on church? You've been told from a very little age that when someone's talking up the front, you put your hand up, you listen. You're not, why are you all calling out while I'm talking at church? But that's because you're affectionate. Now, if I put up a photo of the Titans, would any of us care? No, no one cares. But it's because there's something that we're affectionate about. There's something that we're passionate about, that we love, that it builds up from inside us, and we want to share it. We want to share that passion with other people. And so for me, this is my absolute passion. I love the Cowboys, but the Australian men's cricket team is what I am most passionate about. Now, I've spent so many hours, you would not be able to count them, um, in front of the television or at games watching the Australian men play, um, play cricket. And there's a five-day version, which I just love and cherish. And, and you watch for five days straight, and then it comes to the last half an hour, and you're still on the edge of your seat. And some of you may think this is ridiculous, but I'm loving every minute. I remember this one test um, earlier this year or, or last year, and our best batter was bowling. Um, and we were on, I was with my brothers, and, and we needed two wickets. And Steve Smith was bowling, his rubbish leg spinners, and I'm sitting on the edge of my seat, and my brothers are all like on the edge, and he gets the wicket. And we jump up, we're going crazy. We are just a show of affection and emotion to, to people that don't know us who are off in Sydney playing somewhere else. There's no relevance to us, but we are so affectionate for this team. There is so much emotion because we've invested. It bottles up, it, it comes from inside of us how much we love this team. But for you, it might not be sports. That's not everybody's thing, I understand. It's a very big part of, of me and who I am. But it may not be for you. Um, for you, it might be a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a partner. Now, that's something that you hope there's affection. That, that's the aim is for there to be affection in that kind of relationship. Without affection, it doesn't usually work. But that's something that you invest in. And then you build up, build up a passion for because you, you take time to, to, to be in this space with a special someone. Um, for others, maybe you're not another one. And for some reason, like, we'll watch like, seasons upon seasons upon seasons of these fictional characters doing fictional things, and we'll become so invested in a fictional character that when they get married or, or, or when, they, when they die, this fictional death, we cry. Like, that has no relevance, but we've invested into this character. We've invested, and there's now a deep affection because we've spent so much time in this place. And another one, it, it might, you might not be do TV shows or, or anything, but... You might have a pet, a loved one. You can see a dog and you might hear your, your friend's neighbor's dog died. And obviously that's upsetting and it's a death, which is never good, but you're not too worried because it has no relevance to you. But when your dog, when, when I've had dogs die, it is a sad experience because you've invested so much time into this and that passion builds up from inside of you and you learn to love it. And so what is this affection? Why are we talking about affection? What does it mean? What relevance does this have to Philippians and what Paul was talking to the church of Philippi? And this is the first verse, this is what I want to focus on today and talk about um, mostly, and we'll skim through the other verses before it and try and work up a way to figure out why there was so much affection in this space. But I'll read this to you first. God can testify how I long for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. God can testify how I long for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. What is his affection? Why is this affection important? And what is the affection of Christ Jesus? What does that really mean? 
Uh, we'll start back at verse 3, and, and we'll go through these verses, and I'll give you um, a brief history of the church of Philippi. Because we are starting our series, um, our series on, on Philippians, let's get a bit of a picture of what it was like and, and who was there and events that happened. So let's read uh, verse 3 to 5 to start. I thank God every time I remember you. In all of my prayers for you all, I always pray with joy. Look, look at the alls, all, all. It's talking about everyone there. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. I'll read that again just so we're getting in our heads and we're picturing it. I thank God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for you all, I always pray with joy. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. So this has been a partnership that Paul's experienced with this church at Philippi. And where does that come from and, and what does that mean for us? And what relevance does that have? Um, and in, in Acts 16, it runs through Paul and Silas and, and some of the people that were there, their ministry in Philippi, and what it meant and how that church formed. And so I'll skim through these events because I, I don't want to be here all day. Um, my throat would go too dry. But, um, but we're going to talk about just where that started, how it happened. And so verse 6 to 10, um, Paul receives a vision to go to Macedonia, to go north, to go to, to West Europe. And he receives this vision, and off he goes. He's a few of them with him, and they travel up north. And they start these towns, and they're visiting towns. And they get to Philippi, which is a Roman, uh, Roman colony people, mostly Roman, that weren't living in Rome. Um, but there is Lydia. There is a woman there who, who worships God. This is a place of prayer. So on this Sabbath, they go to this place of prayer. And, and she's at this place of prayer because there's not enough Jewish men or not enough men to warrant um, a synagogue or a place to worship God. They usually need 10 or more, but there wasn't enough. So they had a place of prayer where they would meet on a Saturday morning. And so they meet this place, and Paul preaches them, and, and, and they discover the truth about Jesus and his death and resurrection, and, and they're baptized, and, and he goes to the household, and they, and they worship and learn together there. They spend some, And then six, uh, 16 to 24, Paul and his company is thrown into a prison for casting out a demon. And so this story is very interesting. Um, there is Paul and Silas and their crew. They're doing ministry throughout the area, and they're preaching and teaching. And there's this little girl who's possessed by a demon, um, and this demon can tell the future. And so the owners um, of this girl, um, obviously it's quite a profitable business knowing the future. Like imagine if you could tell me what, what the score was going to be for the next Cowboys game. You can make a lot of money out of that. You can figure out these things. So this is a very profitable little girl um, that these owners were, were, were taking a hold of. But this this the demon inside this girl would, would, would be at and, and proclaim it and was really frustrating Paul. And, and Paul gets sick of it and just says, no, demon, just, just leave. Oh, we're sick of it. Cast the demon out. And obviously this poor little girl has lost her demon and, and the carers are so worried about their income at this time um, that, that they had no care for the, the girl itself, but they're worried about their income. So they stir, stir up trouble. They, they, they make um, Paul and Silas prison to, to silence them. And, and then you might know the story well, um, 25 to 40, they're in prison and there's an earthquake and, and, and the, the gates open and they're free. There's room. Um, they're able to go. God made a way for these people, for Paul and Silas, to leave. Um, but that wasn't what they were there to do. And, and the jailer's ready to fall and his sword ready to give up because um, he knows that he's going to be in big trouble when he finds out that, that all the prisoners escaped. But Paul says, no, we're still here. And this obviously makes no sense. If you're in a prison, if I was in a prison, if I saw the gates open, I would probably shoot through. Um, I probably wouldn't want to be there, especially in these conditions. But, but they stay, and, and, and the jailers think, why? What are you doing? What are you doing this? And, and so they stay, and, and Paul takes the jailer home, and, and they go to the home, and they share a meal, and his family's baptized. Talk about the highs and lows of ministry. So they convert, and then in prison, and they're converting more people, and, and there's a big ordeal. There's a lot happening in Philippi. 
but that they're learning so much together. And then they go back to Lydia's house and they share time together there as well. And that church is really born out of these few people um, that we know of that make a big difference in this town. And then in 2 Corinthians, we hear a bit about um, the church of Philippi and the church of Macedonia. Um, and so this, isn't from, this is Paul writing to the church of Corinth. And he says this, We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly to the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. And so now we know that, that there's been a journey that Paul and, and his crew have undertaken in, in this place of um, Philippi and, and this group of people that he has grown affection towards. And we know now that in 2 Corinthians that we learn about these churches that are helping Paul that so much is happening in, and they're, they're up against it sometimes. It's not an easy place to love um, and to serve God. It's hard for them, and they're in poverty, but they're giving more than they can. They're giving, giving as much as they can. And so when we read verse 3 to 5 again, we get a bit of a picture of why Paul has his affection, why he is so um, in love with this place here. And read it again. I thank God every time I remember you. In all of my prayers for you all, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. So likewise with me, when, when I see the Cowboys logo, I cheer. When I see the, uh, the Queensland, New South Wales, holy moly, I almost said that. Um, the, the Queensland, uh, the Australian cricket team, I cheer, I give a shout. Because it's something that I remember and I have such fond memories of and I cheer with joy. And this is what Paul is saying here. When I remember you guys, when I think of everything that we've done together, what you've done for me, what, we've done, what I've done for you, what we've done for God, it builds up inside of him. He thinks, he, he um, lets out joy. And so that's very important. This joy, the partnership that they've served through together. And then we continue on to verse 6. We continue the story building up to that verse 8 that I really want to focus on. And it says this, Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to the completion of the day of Christ Jesus. And so this is Paul saying, I know you guys. We've done so much together. I'm so thankful for you guys. And I know that you guys will continue this good work. You will, compl- you will continue to complete what we've, we've set out to do together. And then this is verse 7 and 8, and I really want to dwell in on 8, but we'll go over 7. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart, and whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in this grace with me. They all share in this grace. They all have an understanding of what it means to be serving and to living for Jesus. They all have this place where, where they understand that God's love is, is connecting them together. That's what brings them together. And then verse 8, God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And so the affection of Christ Jesus is still something that, all right, there's affection. Yeah, we talked about a bit of affection and why they're affectionate and what's led them to be affectionate and why Paul feels this way um, to this person. But what is the affection of Christ Jesus? And so I'm in my second year of study of theology and ministry, so... Last year, I learned a bit of Hebrew, and I haven't learned Greek yet, which is the language of the New Testament, but I'm going to give you a Greek lesson anyway. Um, so this is, this is the word splachnon. Well, that's how YouTube says to pronounce it, splachnon. Um, and this is what it means. And this is that word affection. This is what affection is translated to, splachnon. To experience great affection and compassion for someone, to feel compassion for 
to have a great affection for, love, compassion. It is a deep love. When it goes to this verse, he says, I love you with the bowels of Christ. It is an inward feeling. It's a body, bodily condition. It's something that's inside of Paul that he can't help but bring up. It wells up from inside of him. This is a deep, deep love. And then Dennis Johnson says, Paul is really speaking of the kind of deep emotion that you feel in your gut. This is something super deep inside Paul that he shares, that he loves these people. And so that's the affection of Christ Jesus. The affection of Christ Jesus is that when he thinks of someone, when he thinks of you, when he thinks of people you know, he wells up with love. That's who he is. God is love. The affection of Christ Jesus is a never-ending love that lives in, in the pit of the stomach and works its way up every time. They think of you. Every time there's a moment of joy, it wells up from inside of you. And that's the love that, that I know that Jesus has for each and every single person here. That no matter where you are, no matter what you've done, that his affection for you wells up from inside of him. It's a gut feeling. It's a condition that he has. He, he is love. It's a deep spiritual love that he's talking about here. And so where else is this affection of Christ really relevant? What, else, what is another example that I, can, that I can use for you? And this is a story of um, the prodigal son found in Luke. And we read through this story. Um, I'm going to give you the, the quick paraphrase version. Um, but what happens is there's a, there's a young man who, who's sick of living at home. He's ready to take his wealth. So he asks his, asks his father, I'm ready to leave. I no longer want to be with you. Can I take half your possessions? Can I take half the inheritance? I want my cut now. I don't want, I'm sick of you. I'm ready to leave. Let me take my money and go. And obviously, if I went to my dad and said, it was four boys, Dad, can I have a quarter, quarter, can I have a quarter of everything you have? He would just think, who are you? Like, it doesn't happen. None of us would go up. I definitely wouldn't. I'd probably, I'm probably too hard to get smacked, but you never know. Um, but, but it's so unreasonable to ask for this half of inheritance, saying, I wish you were dead now. Can I take your money? Anyway, he takes it. His father says yes. And he goes and he, and he runs off and he squanders all his wealth. He spends it all on things that are not necessary whatsoever. And so half his, his father's inherit, half his money he spends on absolutely nothing important. And so now he's at a place where, where he's got nothing. He spent it all, and he's just working with pigs in a farm. And he's so miserable. The conditions are horrible. Nothing is good here. And he's stuck eating the pig's food. He's, he's hating it. And he thinks, why am I still here? What am I doing? But obviously, if, if I did that, and I thought about coming back home, I'd be very wary, very cautious on going back to the place where I just took half of my father's income. But we pick up the story and we'll just read this verse in Luke 15, 20. And so he, get up, he got up and went to his father. He's left this place, this farm, where he is absolutely hating life when there's nothing going for him, and he leaves and he's sick of it. And so he's off and away and, and, and going, to see, going to his father's farm, and it says this, But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son and threw his arms around him and kissed him. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion, filled with his splachmon for him. He was an emotion built up inside of him. It was, it was a part of him that, uh, like my mother, that a love that's been building for years and years and years and that's been invested in, and it builds up inside of the, the father in this, in this parable Jesus tells. And the father runs to his, to, to his son, who he hasn't seen for some time now. And, and this love that is built up inside of him, that, that's a condition that he has, 
um, overflows as he, as he falls in love and, and loves on his, on his little boy. And, and that's the love that is so... So that's the affection of Christ Jesus. Paul felt this affectionate, felt this way to the people of Philippi. He felt this love. When he thought of them, he overflowed with joy. He filled up because he had to love them. It was a condition he had to follow. And so for us, if we think about that, do, do we have that same affection, that condition of love that was so evident uh, with Paul and his writings? Do you think you feel that affectionate to the people you sit next to at church? You might look around you and, and, and see some familiar faces, and you might not, but are you feeling that affection, that deep feeling of love that Paul was feeling to his church in Philippi? Do you feel that deep affection, that welling up, that bodily condition of love? Do you get ready to go to church and think, oh, I cannot wait. I cannot wait to be in this place. I cannot wait to, to be here. There's such a love that wells up inside of me that I have a chance to go and be with these people. I'm sure Paul would want to be with these, this church as much as he could. Unfortunately, he was in prison a little time and he couldn't. But I'm sure it welled up and he wished he could be at church. He wished he could be out of space in a community of love, of this, of, this, of this deep love that's in the pit of the stomach and that makes you feel something. Do we have the affection of, of, of Christ Jesus towards each other? And obviously we have it with God and he loves us. That He has his affection for us, but are we taking that in and giving it back out to the people around us? Is that a feeling that we have? What, what do you think you would do differently if you had that affection? If, if you realize instead of just going to church and oh, right, we're going to see this person and see this person and hear a, um, a decent message maybe um, and then head home, what if you went to church and drove and think, I cannot wait to see this person. I can't wait to meet a new person. I can't wait to serve in this area. What if that was our feeling when we got in the car? What was our feeling? I cannot wait to be in this place. I cannot wait to be in this community, this community of, of affection, of deep affection, the affection of Christ Jesus. What if that's how we felt? Now, this church of Philippi did a few things together that, that we do it here at Refresh as well. But these are a few things that I want to highlight that, that they did and that's that verse again. Ooh, yes, better. So they worship together. And these are things we do at Refresh. And I love hearing you guys worship. Thank you, Ben. Uh, and, and hearing us sing is so beautiful. And I love being here at church. But what this church did, they would worship together. They spent time together. Paul brought them together at the start. And from there, they continued to build. They worshiped together. And it says in the text, they shared grace together. They understood what they were there for and why they were there. They understood that they had this, had this amazing grace given by Jesus, that it was the Lord that binded them together in this relationship, that nothing else mattered, but that they had this love of God, and that was their, their calling to share that with the community. And importantly, they served, they served and supported each other. As we read in Corinthians, that they were under affliction. It was hard. It was not easy what they were doing. For us to go to church, it's put on some half-decent clothes, roll out the door, and, and rock up at a building. It, it, for them, it was not that easy it was not as easy as just rocking up and, and having this, this awesome time, but there was affliction, there was conflict. They struggled. They were in poverty. It was hard, but they still served and supported. They gave more than they could to Paul. They were serving him in his ministry. They, they were funding him. They were helping him, giving him gifts. They were giving more than they could in this moment. 
And so that was their affection of Christ Jesus. That was the affection of Christ Jesus that was inside of them, that was dwelling inside of them, that made them feel something different. It, it wasn't just a, a mere thing. It wasn't the Titans. It was the Maroons. It was something that they loved, they treasured. It was something deep. It was when my mother said goodbye. You saw it in her eyes, and I saw it. That This was something that they were deeply affectionate about, and they loved. And so to have this affection, what do we do? Because I know that if we had this affection every day and our attitude changed towards how we felt in our community and in the one at church here that we spend time together on a Saturday morning and our work communities and our local communities. There are so many places that if we worked up the affection of Christ Jesus for, we could make an astronomical difference in the places that we're at. So what do we need to do? What do we need to do to find this affection? Because I believe that we each have a chance to find this affection and that God gives us um, affections and, and passions that we love and he asks us to be involved, but, but how do we find it? How do we find this pit of stomach emotion that burn in the belly to make a difference? What do we do? How do we do that both here at Fresh and locally in our communities, at the school, at where you work, at the sport, when you play sports? How do you find that? How do we get this affection? For Paul, it was through those few things. Their worship. When they worshiped together, he grew affectionate for this by the time they spent together. It was through their understanding. They knew that they shared the same grace. They knew that Jesus was the one that was connecting them all. He grew affectionate because he knew that this, this community that they were in supported each other. They were there for the same reason. They wanted to see Jesus glorified and shared. And, and he had this affection th- through service. He knew that people were making a difference. He knew that they were getting, he was getting supported. He was supporting the community. He had this purpose and value and this affection because they were doing this all together. And like I said, I, I think and I, and I believe that if we're looking for an area, if we want to be passionate, God gives us passions. And he, he wants us to serve. And I remember my dad telling me um, when I was writing this, he said, Cooper, I hate talking to people. I was like, hang on. <laughs> Dad, you can't say that. You're a pastor. And, and he, said, he said, no, no, genuinely, when I, when I was younger, I hated it. I couldn't. I was so bad at it. It terrified me. It scared. It scared me. And he was working in the youth department. He thought, how, how do, why do I feel this way? And he said, he prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. He said, I, I want to be better, Lord. I want, this is where you have me. Help me to give me a passion. And he said that that's been his passion ever since. And I believe if they were wanting to serve, if we want to get involved, we can ask Jesus to give us these passions, to give us these things that we can, to, we can serve in, these places where we can serve to make a difference. But I believe that the best way to do that, of course, we'd love you to pray and find a passion, find a ministry that we can be involved in, in this community and any other community. But I believe if we start serving, the more we serve to start with, the more we will be invested, the more our passions will grow, the more our affection will grow further and further, deeper and deeper. Now, if I started watching Titans games, I would probably begin to be uh, passionate about the Titans. But I watch, I watch Australia play cricket, and I watch and watch and watch. And I grow more and more passionate about it. The more I spend time with my mum and my dad, the more I invest in them, the more I love them. The more of that, that bodily condition consumes me as it fills me up from inside. By starting to serve, by getting involved, by starting uh, in a space, your passion will grow and will make a difference. If you're coming to refresh and, or going to an event and you're coming and leaving, 
that's cool. But your passion's probably not growing. It's when you invest, when you give your all to something, your passion starts to grow. When I get a chance to sing or, or to worship and be in this place, I become super passionate about my church here afresh because I know I can make a difference and I want to be in this place and serve. And I want that for each and every person um, in whatever community they come from. I want them to invest so they can feel something. They can feel a, that, that pit of stomach desire to be involved and to share the word of Jesus and, and, and bring his kingdom closer. So we need to invest in areas. Give ourselves to areas. Look for ways to, to help out. And you think, oh, that's a bit tricky. Like, what, what am I going to get involved at? What can I do here? How, how can I really get involved? Obviously, you've given us ways, but what are some examples? How about once we finish church, turn around, look at someone new, and ask them about their week? Obviously, that's a bit scary, and that's not as easy as it is, not as straightforward as it sounds, but by doing that, you're investing in someone behind you. You're investing in somebody in the community. And when you invest in that person, you learn more about them. Uh, you learn to love them. You, and affection grows as you invest. And that might be, that might be way too much. That, that might be too hard for you. Maybe what, you're, what you might be more capable of is helping on the breakfast team or helping cater. Now, now that's something that you can do. And, and of course, if you're on that team, you want to see it succeed. Your, your passion builds and you think, I want this to work. I want this to work for my community. I want the church to feel this affection that I have. And I want more people to come to learn about Jesus. And if I can do it through this avenue, let that be what it is. And grow your affection. Start to serve. That could probably happen next week if you wanted to. You can certainly talk to the person behind you today. And another one, if, if that's still not what you want, simply just help pack up the chairs at the end. Take pride in, in what we have as a community and help other people. There's so many little ways that we can get involved and invest into each other and to invest in our community and invest in God's community that we have here. As we invest in each other with the affection of Christ Jesus, with this, bodily, this body condition that we have, if we can develop that condition, when we invest in other people with this affection, we will see so much more success. We will see so much more love. The desire to come to church and serve the community around us and in us will become so much greater. So my challenge is for you today is those ones I mentioned before about this. Can we look for that pit of stomach affection of Christ Jesus? Can we find that inside of ourselves that we may make a big difference to the people around us because we know that that's the exact affection that Jesus has for every uh, one of us. Thank you.